I suck at jujitsu. How do I suck less? Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 206 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. It's taken me a second to remember. 205, we had on the repost, not the return, of Kenny Florian. And honestly, I tell you guys this all the time, that is my favorite episode still. And I've done so many great interviews. Honestly, obviously these... uh. These in-person interviews really do hit different. They're almost a completely different thing. Um, but for straight up Zoom interviews, just like that was one of the best experiences for me. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, but anyway, on episode 206, we're going to do something that we have done before. I wouldn't say, I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting. So we did an episode during... I want to say it was the seven days to suck less, which who knows when that was, maybe a, a year plus ago uh, that we did that. But we had an episode called the, I think it was like the four hour BJJ school or something like that. But it was it was a play on the four hour work week, um, the book, and it was explaining just how to use systems to run your jujitsu school more efficiently and um, and how much time that would give you to focus on the things that you really want to do when it comes to running a jiu-jitsu school and so uh I, I feel like that episode went over well and i've gotten more contact about that episode now because i think when you're scrolling through there are certain titles that catch your eye and i think this one will probably be one of those uh because it is also based on a really 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 great book that is um uh, it, it, it's a lot smarter than anything I ever give you guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this book. And for me, this is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite self-help, I guess you would call it books. And it, it I think it is my favorite self-help book. But um, in this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, Covey, who knows how to say it? No one, no one will probably ever know that. Um, he talks, he kind of goes through these seven habits that he has identified in very successful people. And uh, I really think that those seven habits probably will apply to the workplace and apply to everything, but I wanted to specifically apply them to jiu-jitsu. And it may give you some interest in reading the book. I would highly recommend the book if you um, if you want to read it. I'll even try to put a, a link in the description if I remember, if I don't, uh, if that wasn't just a random throw out from Josh that he will forget about later. But I will try to make sure to have a link in the description so you guys can just grab the book or the audio book. I highly, highly recommend the audio book because it's a long, long read. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big on the audiobook, but there's just so much good content in it. Without further ado, let's get into the seven habits of highly effective grapplers. Habit one, be proactive. Now, how we're going to apply these habits today, we're going to look at these seven habits and, and kind of go in a little detail on how this applies to jiu-jitsu in my eyes. These are habits. They will apply to all kinds of small parts of jiu-jitsu, but we're going to try to really generalize it because I think it would be most helpful uh, for most people. And if I'm being totally honest with you guys, I've done this for myself when going through the book. So this isn't something that I kind of wrote today. This is something that I looked at the seven habits and I said, how could these help me be better at jujitsu? How could these kind of, I don't know, allow me to beat more people up, if you know what I mean. Uh, and so we're just going to look at these habits. And I when, when I look back at my jujitsu career, I look back on times that I was not proactive and go, oh, those were huge mistakes. And all proactive is, is the opposite of reactive. It is somebody, so when we, 
for instance, this is this is the prime example of my career uh, up until this point, in my jujitsu journey up until this point, since now I have better habits to help me fix these things. Uh, but I kind of lived in the way that most people live in jujitsu. You get injured, you do rehab on that, you take time off, you do rehab on that injury. A lot of times you don't take time off, you just do rehab and you keep training. And then when you start to feel better, you stop doing your rehab. That is being reactive, okay? That is how, that is a habit that most of us have when it comes to jujitsu injury. But here's the weird thing is most of us deal with the same injuries over and over and over again. It's usually like two or three, right? For me, my rib, one of my knees, I have those two and they keep, those two things always bother me. Always have, also have a, a bunch of other random ailments, but those are my two main injuries that I dealt with a lot of different times and have cost me matches, cost me not being able to train, cost me not being able to teach. Um, they really have been significant injuries. And until I started doing something rehab wise, quote unquote, uh, in doing that consistently, having it part of my weekly routine. And really for me, it's kind of like my daily routine. Um, I kept getting those injuries. And what's interesting is I haven't gotten those injuries now in a long time since I've really kept the habit of being proactive when it comes to injuries. I think another way that this applies, and I don't think that people think about this, and this, I've told you guys, is something that we are going to dive deeper into eventually. But Right now, it's uh, I don't have the time to dedicate diving into such an important topic right this second, but very soon we will. Um, but it is this coach-student relationship and just exploring what that should be, what is the most beneficial for both of those people, and that's actually one of the habits. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but just kind of looking at this relationship that I see so many people that I came up with and they had a cool relationship with their coach the same way I've had with mine for the last 15 years. But somewhere along the line, something happened. And it's usually money or morals, but there's a split. And usually after that, these guys don't talk. They hate each other. There's, you know, they they have so much negative to say about each other. And you have you're thinking of people when I tell you this story, and I promise I'm not talking about anybody specific. This is an epidemic in the jujitsu world, and I don't have the answer for it. And I, I promise you, I do not have an answer that, uh, you know, I don't know how, how to deal with it, but I know a lot of smart people. And eventually I think we will have some good perspective on, on how to help this relationship. But something I notice, uh, and this is, again, this is being reactive is that there are problems that start in the coach and the student don't communicate about it, or even more, they don't communicate about what the future could look like. And so maybe the coach's intention is that this guy always is the kid's coach, and he will be the kid's coach forever, and the coach has no idea that this guy is unhappy with that job. The coach has no idea that this guy's only desire is to start his own school. The coach could have done something to help him get there, and probably it would have benefited the coach in some way. But because they weren't proactive and they didn't communicate on, hey, this is where I think we should be going. This is where what my intentions are. And being really clear with what your intentions are, where you're trying to go, um, I think that just that little bit of proactivity would keep so many of these students and coaches from hating each other. Uh, let's move on to the next habit. This is something we talk about, and I quote this to you guys way too much on the show. I should almost skip this one, but I won't. Um, and this is habit to begin with the end in mind. And what's really important about this is when you're trying to get good at jujitsu, it is going to be accomplished easier if you have a bunch of small goals. Okay. 
But if you just have a bunch of small random goals, sometimes you end up in a place you didn't expect. You end up in a place you didn't intend to, okay? So, uh, for instance, if you really love gi jiu-jitsu and you were like, man, I really like competing in the gi and I really want to be an IBJJF competitor, having that end goal, okay? I want to be top three in my, my belt and age and rank which is a super fun goal uh, to chase if you can afford it. It's an expensive goal, but it's a fun goal. Um, But anyway, you set some goal like that and you go, okay, well, I'm going to, yo, I'm going to get there. And you're able to break down your goal into a bunch of smaller things. Okay. Well, first I need to make sure I'm training somewhere good, right? I need to make sure that I'm training somewhere that has competitors like this. Uh, it doesn't make sense for me as much to go, okay, well, I'm going to go to, you know, I want to be this, this gi competitor in the IBJJF. I want to go to a Gracie Academy gym, right? Their jujitsu is more self-defense based and you do see in tournaments, very few guys at Gracie Academy, right? So it wouldn't make sense to go there. Maybe you look around and you go, oh, in my area, there's a really strong dot, dot, dot presence. They have a lot of IBJJF competitors. They'll know the stuff that I don't. And you can go there, okay? But you're able to break down your big goal with your little goals. Maybe you kind of want to be an IBJJF competitor, but you've never actually established it as your goal. And you've never put some specificity on that goal. Like, I want to be a purple belt, medium heavyweight, top three, master four, right? And, uh, you know, or I want to win master worlds or I want to win worlds or I want to win whatever, right? I want to do something specific. When you do that, you can break it down. Now, most people go into their jujitsu because this is how you kind of have to go into everywhere to start is with no context and no idea. So they go into the jujitsu school and they have nothing. And most jujitsu schools have a little thing that they'll do for beginners, something to kind of get them into the idea of jujitsu. And so you just walked in and you, no matter what, I mean, your first jujitsu class, you're not going to probably be proactive. You are going to be reactive. You're going to learn. You have no idea what's going on. But at some point, you start to learn what's going on. And if you don't adjust your intention, because most people, the only things that they've learned in their life were was schooling that they didn't care about. And so most of us are like, it's even hard for us to learn something that we really like. It's hard for us to, to really be interested in it at first if we've never been interested in something. And so if you don't know your next step, once you start to learn some positions and you start to have an idea of jujitsu, your next step is to set some goals. They don't have to be the end always, right? Um, but when you start something, you should think, well, how could this look? You know, how, how, could, how could my life look if I did make it to black belt like I'm going to set this goal? And so a lot of what jujitsu is, though, is figuring out how to set good goals, whether it is, I want to get better at guard passing, but that's pretty general, right? How do I know how to do that? How do I know how to get better at guard passing? So maybe I'll have to go, I need to get better at a specific guard pass. Um, this is obviously when you think about begin with the end in mind, obviously it's where I stole the idea of the end goal method of training, but that's what I mean by Um, And I'll make sure to link what the end goal method is. There are multiple episodes about it, but the best one is episode 198. That's uh, there's a 20 minute, 15 minute segment on the end goal method. And if you don't know what that is, you'll really like it. But uh, it is the end goal method was me applying kind of this goal setting, beginning with the end in mind and then going, okay, well, I want to end up in a triangle choke. So how can I set my goals to get me there? How can I build games to get me there? And so, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, two ways to apply that thought. We apply it on the show constantly. But anyway, this one is something that I, I, I don't know if this means that I struggle with it, but I find myself constantly saying it to myself. Put first things first. That is habit three 
of the seven habits of a highly effective grappler and of highly effective people. Um, but put first things first. So I'll try to give some examples of this. I think the easiest examples to give of putting first things first is on the podcast and with content creation. Because when you are building a new studio and it's like getting done and then things like, of course, my AC breaks in the studio as soon as we finish, like last nail goes in, first interview in the finished studio with Dan and Nick Sanders. Um, and it was Dan Shukart and, and Nick Sanders. They're both not, they're not brothers. Their last name is not both Sanders. But anyway, uh, those two guys, we had no AC. It was brutal, man. Our AC broke that night. But uh, yeah, those things happen. And then you have to start to do things like, all right, well, how important is it that I have an AC? Should I be scheduling a bunch of interviews right now? Because I could schedule interviews. I have all the stuff to do them, but I don't know when the AC is going to be fixed. And I probably shouldn't. So I should probably put first things first and get this AC fixed before I start worrying about scheduling, before I start worrying about all the little details of things. Jiu-Jitsu school ownership, this is a huge struggle for people. First things first is making sure that you have enough students to fund the things that need to be funded, whether in your life or just in the gym, okay? That is putting first things first. And it's so easy to start to focus on other stuff because it's important to have a great curriculum. Right, it's important to you know to have really good students. It's important to do all those other things, but so many jujitsu schools focus on all those other things so much, and they never put the finances first, and then they're not able to help near as many people as they would be with this awesome system that they have because they never put first things first because they never said, "Hey." I need to stop worrying about this other stuff. I need to I need to say what is most important and I need to do that, right? Because if it's most important, it should be done. And so making sure that not only your lights can stay on, but that you can invest back into your gym and continue to grow it and invest in advertising. Those things are really important for a jiu-jitsu school. And that is putting first things first. Um, let's go in on this one to, no, no, let's keep on this. Cause I didn't apply it to jujitsu. I applied it to podcasting and jujitsu schools. And so the jujitsu athlete didn't get it. And this is actually really, really easy. And you see so many people screw up on this is that they don't focus on jujitsu when they're trying to be a competitor. They focus on what other people put on Instagram, their workout routine, their flexibility routine, their sprints, their long distance running, all those other things. And keep in mind, I am about to drop this super high efficiency. Well, I, Steve McKinney and I are about to drop this super high efficiency, what you should be doing physically off the mats to have longevity, to be stronger, to have better cardio, uh, to have less injuries, all those boxes that you should be checking, but to do it efficiently. And most people don't think about when they are spending six days a week bashing their head against the wall at their workout that is only designed to make sure they get tired. There is no other logical design behind it. Your in your workout trainer probably when you show up says, "Oh yeah, you're going to be really sore tomorrow from that one." As if soreness is a direct indicator of how hard you worked. I could go garden all day and I could be as sore as I've ever been in my life. Does that mean I got an amazing workout gardening? No. That is not that is not putting first things first. So many people they focus on things that aren't jujitsu. And yes, those things are important, but jujitsu is importanter. Okay. I know that was phenomenal grammar, but jujitsu is what you should be focused on if your goals are jujitsu related. It is jujitsu skill. It is not 
I mean, of course, there are superhumans out there, but most of the time, it is not the 5% strength difference. Most of the time, it's not the little bit of speed or a little bit of cardio difference. Most of the time, is it, it is the skill difference in jujitsu. So focus on skill in jujitsu. Focus on getting better at jujitsu. And so few people seem to understand that. They want to know should I be hanging just from a bar on the chin-up bar or should I be holding a gi while I'm doing it? Well, none of that matters when you're holding onto my collar and I just walk past your guard, right? It doesn't matter. So put first things first in your training. Make sure, especially when you've began with the end in mind, you have some goals that you're trying to hit, some places that you are trying to get. It is important It is important that you remember that skill development is way up here. I know most of you guys aren't watching on video, but the video quality has gotten really good, so you should be watching on video so you could have seen that hand motion. My hand was up high, as high as it could be on the screen without without going off. So that's, that's how important it is to put first things first in your training. So now I really am excited about this one. Um habit four. And I think that this is, these next two are the two that I got the most out of. Um, especially the first time I read this book, I think the first time I read this book, I was like 18 or 19. And uh, that was like 10 years ago. It's crazy how old the old Josh McKinney is getting. Uh, but, uh, the, the first time I read this, these two points stuck out to me because they were, the other things made sense, right? But I think that those first three, four things, or the first three things, they they kind of have, uh, they, they kind of are, are, a lot of people do them well in jujitsu. And so you can kind of learn, I think, how to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain this while I'm also trying to see on my, uh, screen how long I've been talking. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry about that for that pause. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's get back into, into just habit four. I'll stop rambling about what it is, but like I said, the first three, they, it, it tends to be present in a lot of good schools. Um, but I think the other ones, I think that they may not be and in a lot of people's lives too. And so the habit four is to think win, win, And this is, without a doubt, four and five helped me have a better relationship with my now wife um, than girlfriend more than any advice that I got ever. And um, it also helps in basically every relationship that I have when I look at my jujitsu school and I look at the way that we are able to train. Habit four, think win-win is the biggest thing. People do not think this way. I tell you guys this all the time, this idea of two sides and you have to choose one or the other and people love to apply it to everything. Oh, you do gi or you do no gi. Nah, I do jujitsu. The clothes that we're wearing wouldn't matter. My jujitsu is good no matter what. Right? I don't have to apply those two things and go, oh, well, I need to choose one or the other. Oh, are you a are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Oh, are you this or are you that? It's always this side or that. And you are nowadays, if you don't have an opinion about things, you are evil for not having an opinion about them. Okay, And this two-sided thinking is why so many people think about if you know I have to, to sacrifice this for my wife, I can't do jujitsu so my wife will be happy, right? Or something like that, okay? And they do not think win-win, okay? And we'll talk about how to get to win-win. We might actually combine habit four and five together because they do make a lot more sense together. Um so let's just go what win-win is first, okay? So not everything has to be compromise. Most things, almost everything in my marriage is not compromise. It is us trying to think win-win. And the only way to do that is to communicate well, okay? Because 
I cannot, um, and I'll give, I have a funny example. I think I've given on the podcast before, but I've given this, I give this example to young guys that ask me relationship advice all the time. Um, but habit five is seek first to understand and then to be understood. Okay. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Really quick little thought. I'll give you a quick example of what that means. At a seminar, guy raises his hand. Um, he says, My um, I can't sweep anybody from butterfly guard. And a lot of times the coach will then just grab a person and show a butterfly guard sweep. But here's the problem. The coach didn't ask, why? Why do you, why can't you sweep people from butterfly? Let me see you do a butterfly guard sweep. Dude, you're not even holding this guy close to you. And then he does the butterfly guard sweep, the same one he already knew. But because the good coach looks and says, well, for you specifically, the answer may not be the same is for everybody. And so I have to first understand where you are coming from. Usually I have to assume that you don't even know how to ask good questions yet and ask you enough questions to get you to be able to explain what the actual problem is. People, that's how they ask questions. They raise their hand at Q&A at a seminar and they go, I get taken down all the time. You should probably stop doing that, man. What do you want me to do about it? You know? I can't just randomly go, oh, and most people will go, oh, here's a move to fix that. And it's like, dude, you don't even know what he the problem is yet. And so it's so often we all have people that we conversate with that are like this. They'll hit us with the old, um, you know, ask you something, and then you give an answer. And their whole intention of asking was to tell you what they wanted to tell you. We know people like that in the jujitsu world, especially. How do you how do you finish your knee cut? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll show you. And I show the person, and they're like, well, this is how I finish mine. And I'm like, okay, well, have you ever finished a knee cut against high level adult competitors at black belt? I have. So how about I just stick with what I'm doing? Because I didn't ask you, right? We know people that do that, that hit you with, uh, oh, well, have you, uh, you know, what is, what are your thoughts on this? And then you answer just so they can tell you. They don't care about understanding. They only care about being understood. When you're around somebody like that, you recognize it as this is a super annoying habit, right? But not only is it annoying, but it actually screws you over a whole, whole lot. And like I said, this is the example that I give, and this is always the relationship that I give, advice that I give, um, are these two habits. Think win-win and seek first to understand and then to be understood. And this is the example that I give. So my wife wants to go to Red Lobster tonight, but I want to go to Texas Roadhouse, okay? And uh, let's not go Texas Roadhouse. Let's go... Yeah, let's go Texas Roadhouse. That sounds like a good example. And I'm like, okay, like I don't want to go to Red Lobster. She wants to, you know, I don't, I don't like Red Lobster that much. She doesn't like Texas Roadhouse. And now one of us has to lose, correct? Wrong. That's how most people think. And that's how most people go through their whole relationship and their whole life is thinking that when you hear something, oh, I want to go to Red Lobster. Well, I have to either win or lose this. You're wrong. Most of the time, you could fix it by saying, why do you want Red Lobster? I don't remember which one my wife's wanting and which one I'm run- wanting, but you guys are on the same page as me. Uh, you know, why don't you want, or why do you want Red Lobster? She's like, oh, well, I want a lobster tail. They don't have those at Texas Roadhouse. And I'm like, well, I want a steak. Why don't we go to Outback? Oh, yeah, I like the steak from there. And you like, you like, I mean, it's Australian. You're basically Craig Jones if you go there. You know, I wonder how often he eats Outback when, when in Austin, Texas. 
you know, just trying to feel like he's at home, you got to assume it's all the time. That's the only Australian restaurant I know of. Um, wow, that, that went off the rails. But anyway, uh, you know, we go to Outback and that is a win-win because I get to eat a steak and she gets to eat a lobster. And so because we conversated and I first asked her opinion, because Lord knows she's a woman, she's not going to ask my opinion. You know, she's not going to try to understand. I'm just joking about that. Take it easy. If that's what gets me canceled, that's embarrassing. You know, after all the things I've said and allowed said on this show. Um, but anyway, uh, don't tell my wife I said that, guys, please. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, just because you're able to understand and think win-win. So now let's go back to what we talked about in the beginning. This coach and this student who have the coach wants to, you know, wants the student to be the kid's coach and the student wants to go off and do his own thing. Someone has to lose, correct? No, they can conversate. They can try to understand. Wait, the coach just wants the student to be part of the team still. He just really has invested a lot in this student. And he really, he really wants him to be part. And so maybe the coach even says, well, if you want to open your own gym, what if I give you practice running adult classes? And that gives the coach more time to find a different kid's coach, find somebody to be trained because you're being proactive, find somebody to be ready to replace that role. And then you're not going to have a damaged relationship when your student goes off and starts his own school. And not only that, but you have now helped your student learn how to run a jujitsu school. And you can do it because you're thinking win-win. You can do it on the idea of, hey, I will let you do certain work that is kind of hard that I don't want to do right now or I don't have time to do. And I will pay you with membership. I will pay you per hour. I'll pay you with whatever. And you are basically getting a one of the very few how to run a jujitsu school degrees, especially if the school that you're at is good, you know, especially if your coach is a good coach. So mainly what I'm, what we're looking at in this is, is this idea of it does not have to be so black or white in the jujitsu world. We could, we could conversate and we could, understand things. And, um, I will give this example. It's amazing that, let me check what our time's at. It's amazing that we're 30 minutes into this and I have not brought up that this week tack team won the first ever, the inaugural St. Louis Open the IBJJF St. Louis Open, and it was a blast. St. Louis Jiu Jitsu, I tell you guys, this is so high level, just in general, not just with tag team, but in general. Um, I go to a lot of IBJJFs in random cities, uh, like St. Louis is a pretty random city, right? And I never, and my my students agree with this too. Like I never see the level except for at one of the big IBJJF Opens, the Chicago Opens, the those type of places. It wasn't as many competitors, but the level of competitor was obnoxious from top to bottom. And so it was fun to see that. It was so exciting uh, to get the win, man. It was, it was fun for me. I, I pretty much coached all day, both days. And, um, you know, we finished the finished the week in the with the open classes and the open classes were insane uh especially there was a point where we were all coaching the goose as a team and we had secured team the team trophy at this point we knew we were going to win the team trophy but you would have thought the way that the team was during this match um the goose being Richie Kelly, one of the one of my purple belts, um, but I no one even knows him as Richie at this point. Um, but in that match, you would have thought that that match mattered on whether or not we were going to win the team trophy. The team, not just head nod, but like all the St. Louis schools, Kansas City schools, Chicago schools, all these, all the people, all the Iowa people were there. 
we were all there for it because it was the end of the day. We were all waiting for the team trophy. And the intensity of that match, he was down to, ends up coming back and winning four to two. And it is, uh, it was a pretty intense match. We tore down the barricades on it. But you would have thought that that was for the team trophy, and it wasn't. We had already won. But that was just the fun energy that there was at that tournament pretty much the whole weekend. People were there to win, and it was just, uh, yeah, it was an absolute blast, okay? So here is what I mean again by think win-win. It would be very easy because we're competing with all kinds of local schools for me to be like, okay, well, we won. I don't want people coming to, because I have this big open mat on Sundays that is just open to the St. Louis area. And if you train at a, a school in the St. Louis area, it's it's open. And we will, you know, it's a really, really fun open mat. I've done it for years. So we have people that are fighting my guys, even some people that beat some of my guys that train with us on Sundays. I could easily go, oh, I don't like that. I don't want these people coming. I need to just make it our group. But that one, that does not think win-win, and this is habit six, that is not synergizing, okay? Synergizing is saying, hey, um, if you don't know what synergize means, like working working together for the greater good is kind of um, that the saying is, oh, how, what is it? The sum is greater than the parts or something like that, meaning two plus two with the right two plus two would equal six and not equal four, right? Um, hopefully that made any sense. But anyway, to synergize is to understand when those guys are coming to my school and getting their extra rounds and getting their hard training and and getting work with my guys and learning, they're also sharing stuff too. And they're also giving my guys different looks that they would never get. And then when we really think about it, as much as we're competing against each other on, you know, on this weekend, when we're at Worlds and you guys are fighting, sorry if this offends anybody, but a Brazilian, we're all rooting for our boy. We're all rooting for the Midwest. I don't care what team they're on. That's synergy. Yeah, we're rivals and we compete against each other. And yes, there are going to be matches that are win-lose. But if we think win-win and we synergize, what could we do when we're this tough and we're going out and fighting all those freaking Brazilians? Sorry, that was a more offensive way to say to say <laughs> Brazilians. Uh, it, let's look at the last habit today and hopefully – people like this one. If not, I like it. I like, uh, it's like one of, like I said, one of my favorite books. And so talking about it for jujitsu is one of my favorite things. And this is habit seven is kind of like if somebody were to have the other six, they could absolutely have unlimited success. Okay. But sometimes, sometimes that isn't enough, all right? Or sometimes even more. It's like this, I don't know what it is. There's something in life that I've witnessed in my own life and in, in my friends' lives that... Uh, um, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? And that's not really that's not really it, I don't think, but it's uh um if you don't continue to try to grow. Uh and and this is always a business habit that people talk about. Like if you are not if you're not growing, you're whatever, you're dying or something like that. Uh and so I I do think that there is some of this. I don't know if it's as simple as if you're not growing, you're dying or something like that. But I think it's really easy, even with doing everything else right, it's really easy to get stuck in a routine, in a mindset, with a negative feeling. 
And so, uh, and, and we can look at this in jiu-jitsu specifically. It's really easy to get stuck into a game that works. If it worked for me then, why wouldn't it work for me now? Well, the game changes. People get better. Maybe, maybe a lot of people were doing what you were doing and, and getting really good at it, and then everyone had to get good at defending it, right? And so just maybe it doesn't work anymore. Sometimes you just need a change up. But habit seven is to sharpen the saw. And that is, um, you know, that is something that I look at my dad. Uh, and people really, really like my dad. My uh, Heath Pedigo told me on, we were at the St. Louis Open, and I always, anytime I get to, uh, just trash talk to Heath, it's always fun. And so we're doing, talking our normal stuff. And he says to a group of people, he goes, you know, Josh McKinney's always gotten the short end of the stick, man. And somebody goes, why? And he goes, you know, it's like, no matter what he does or how cool he is, he'll never be half as cool as his dad. And we all laughed, but we all knew it was true. And so, uh, when we, you know, like what's funny is people, they look at my dad and they say, this is, this guy is so amazing. He's so dot, dot, dot. One thing besides being crazy consistent, and I've talked about that before, that I could say that my dad has always done is he has always tried to grow. No matter what, even when people have been telling me my dad was this great man since I was born and I've never seen my dad approach life like he was a great man. He has always approached it like he had so much to learn and so much to work on. And especially now, as he's gotten older, and I see people that I've always known that were his friends and stuff that were around his age, and I see how they, the ways that they are in are pretty much gonna be the ways that they are until they die. And the sad thing is those are the ways that they've been in for the last 20 or 30 years, they've just gotten worse, right? And so seeing somebody always looking at improving, it makes you go, oh, there is possibly no limit to how much you can improve in things, in a lot of things. And jujitsu is one of those things. And so if you can always find a saw to sharpen, a way that challenges what you think about jujitsu or how you see jujitsu or just helps you with the perspective of jujitsu. If you can do that, I think your progression will be endless. And so then it will not matter how good everybody is. It, that's when that Chris Howder quote really matters that it's not who's tough, it's who's left. Staying around, being consistently, and continuing to find a saw to sharpen, right? And you can look at all these habits together. You look at, you know, beginning with the end in mind, having your goal. You put your first things first. You use people around you. You synergize with them. You understand them before you blurt out what you think and what your opinion is. And you think win-win. You will have all of this success, but... You first, you've got to make sure that you are always sharpening the saw. You've got to make sure that you are always trying to get better and you are not getting stagnant. I see coaches that come into IBJJF tournaments and they've been doing the same old crap for 30 years. And they come in with their students that are, you know, like doing that same stuff. And it's still jujitsu, and it's still great, and it's still beautiful, and it's still effective, but it is not as effective anymore. And you have to be constantly sharpening this all to see that as a coach. Obviously, I do it through rolling. You know, I do it through competing. It's much easier for me to look at the picture and go, this is what the best guys are playing because I'm fighting the best guys. But a good coach could even do this without rolling. Just with watching footage and paying attention to things that are happening. I came out of the tournament on Sunday and I was so excited to tell everybody that the dot, 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 I won't tell you guys what it is because I've got to get myself some time to work on it, is making a comeback. And it's something old that, you know, like it was, it was 
old school when I started training jujitsu, but it's making a comeback. There's there are some new ideas and new ways to do it uh, that that I'm seeing that are working, and so uh, that's a that's a saw that I get to sharpen now. That's something that I get to go. Okay, well. The goal is to be great at jujitsu for this team is, is to really build a system of jujitsu that helps my guys win at the highest levels. And I found this idea, this thing that I think is going to work. I, that's a, that is a saw to sharpen. And that is where I leave you guys. Uh, like I said, if you enjoyed this episode, I really think you should get the audio version of this book. If you listen to podcasts, you're probably an audiobook person, right? Uh, and um, if not, I think that there there used to at least be it was not it, it wasn't the audiobook, but it was kind of a version of the audiobook um, that was read by Stephen Covey, and it was like free on YouTube, and it was a little shorter, but the whole book I think is better. Uh, but anyway, that's all I have for you guys. Let's turn it over one more time to Josh. And he will hit us with a commercial because I didn't do a commercial break in this episode for whatever reason. And um, he will also, uh, I don't know, make up something about to be excited about. Let's give it to Josh. And that is the episode. I know I talked about it for two minutes, um, but words cannot express how proud I was of our team in general this weekend. And keep in mind, I don't let you guys know this, but I have some some Asian parent genes in me when it comes to my students. My students do some pretty great stuff, and I give nobody credit for anything. If anything, if you do something great, in order to um, you know build camaraderie, I'll attack you more. Uh, I don't know why it's like that. It, it's in my DNA. But in all honesty, I really was proud of the team. Uh, and it was just like, not just my guys, just how it was just amazing to be a part of. Um, you know, you're still coming out of COVID with jujitsu tournaments and stuff. There are still people that haven't gotten back to competing. And then there's still some, you know, like, hey, we missed two years of our lives and we haven't communicated what, you know, like it's just, there are still things that are weird about coming back, right? And getting to really be there with the real crew. That was like, there were people kind of representing from all, a lot of the Midwest uh, attack team, at least, branches right um not every school but a, a lot of different branches of of tag team and getting to be a part of a team like that after being a guy who for quite a while was kyle's only purple belt competitor like was really one of kyle's only adult competitors especially with ibgf and stuff for periods of time and the affiliation was like kyle for a long time and then all of the things that had to fall into place for kind of tag team Midwest to form, because that's really what it was. It wasn't like we joined something. It was like a bunch of people formed it together, even though it was an established thing on the East Coast. Um, but just in the Midwest, a bunch of people got together that a bunch of Ronin schools. And then to get to this point where we're at the first St. Louis Open and we could get that win for us, for Kyle and I and the guys at Revive, all Kyle's affiliates, my, uh, you know, uh, both of my gyms. For us to get that win, that team trophy, for me, the kid who is by himself for big periods, you know, I, I was... I was talking to John Gutta and I introduced him to my wife and my wife goes, how do you guys know each other? And I go, I don't really remember why, but I remember when I go, I like this guy was when I was a brown belt at Worlds, we weren't on the same team and he saw that I was in my division and I didn't have a coach and his guy was in my division too. Um, and he coached me also. His guy went out early and he coached me three fights. I barely even knew the guy. He just knew I was from the Midwest. Back to some of the other crap that I just said about thinking win-win and, and thinking in those terms. 
and now we're on the same team and now we're trying to work together to win big midwest tournaments uh that you know like that having that group that was just i can't even explain to you guys how much fun that was for me um that was you know it was fun enough that we tore down the st louis open banner and it's in my the trunk of my car right now and not only that but it's been to multiple locations already we had it laid out the gym for fourth of july open mat we had it laid out at uh at my coach's house at one point we've had it laid out we've had it laid out everywhere man and we're only getting more wild with it too and so uh yeah that was big shout out for those guys at the end other thing for you guys if you want to know anything that's going on at simplifyingjujitsu.com you need to be on the gi gazette how are you not on the gi gazette yet the only way to do it is to download the ebook and give me your email it's simplifyingjujitsu.com slash three the ebook is the three lenses and the three lenses is absolutely free at simplifyingjujitsu.com and what it is is me sharing the three perspectives that i think most people learn jujitsu from and sharing what training methods work for those perspectives what ideas and what ways to focus on training work for those perspectives and all this ebook will do is will help explain to you how you and other people learn jujitsu and so like i said it's free it will get you on the gi gazette which is my email list which you absolutely should be on it's hilarious and it is more information about all the exciting stuff that we do with Isaka Jiu-Jitsu Show and SimplifyingJiu-Jitsu.com. And I'll finish that with what a weird place to put the commercial as the last lines of the episode. Um, but that's all I have for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And I hope that today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at Jiu-Jitsu. Have a great day, guys.